Hello, I am Rabia Ramputh, Senior Associate in the Commercial Litigation Team at Stevenson Harwood. The COVID-19 outbreak has forced the courts and lawyers to adapt overnight to conducting hearings and trials remotely, a concept almost unheard of before the pandemic. After successfully completing a three-week fully remote trial in the commercial court, acting for the claimant in the case of RBI v Ace and Ashurst, I would like to share some of my top tips on how to conduct a remote trial in the English courts. In this first of two podcasts on remote trials, I will be discussing the various preparations that should be carried out before commencement of a remote trial. In the second podcast, I will highlight some key points to consider during the remote trial itself. So how is preparing for a remote trial different to preparing for an in-court trial? All the usual preparations will be required, save that you would not need to make arrangements to fly over witnesses and the client if abroad, nor make any courtroom provisions. However, there are some additional factors to consider. Firstly, technology. Electronic bundles. Prior to the pandemic, e-bundles were becoming more commonplace in trials, especially in the more document-heavy commercial court trials. For remote trials, e-bundles are essential. Unless the court requests them, hard copy bundles should be avoided due to the difficulties of printing, sending out and updating hard copy bundles when working remotely. At the moment, there is also the risk of transmission of the coronavirus through sending hard copy bundles. For smaller trials with cost constraints, you may opt to create an e-bundle simply using in-house software such as PDF Docs or Adobe. However, for the larger, more document-heavy trials, it is likely that you would use an external platform to prepare the e-bundles and to store, manage and navigate them and the cost of this would normally be split equally between the parties. There are a number of providers who offer this. Permission must be obtained from the court, ideally at the CMC, for the use of e-bundles. The e-bundles must be prepared in the same manner and timing as hard copy bundles as set out in the relevant CPR and court guide rules. Real-time transcription. So real-time transcripts are all also commonplace in larger trials. These are extremely useful in remote trials. If there are technical issues and the connection is momentarily lost, parties can revert to the real-time transcript. Again, permission must be obtained from the court in advance via form EX107-OFC. Hosting of trial. The court's preferred and approved platforms for hosting trials at present are Skype for Business and Microsoft Teams. Whilst these are cost-effective options, there are some drawbacks to these platforms. Parties can host the proceedings themselves using an alternative platform, seeking court approval for this, or engage an external provider of trial hosting services. There is obviously a cost associated with the latter option, but there are huge benefits of engaging an external provider to host the trial. Some providers will also offer the complete package, e-bundling, real-time transcription and trial hosting. Providers will manage and support all technical aspects of the trial, both in advance of and during trial. Alternative platforms include Cisco WebEx, which has the advantage of clearly displaying electronic evidence alongside images of the key speakers. Again, the parties should agree on how the trial is to be hosted early on and seek the court's agreement, ideally at the PTR. Hardware. It is important that at least the active participants during trial, i.e. those who will be seen and heard such as counsel, witnesses and the judge, have all the necessary hardware to assist them during trial. It is useful for them to have at least two screens, one displaying the speaker images, the other displaying documents. Some may find a third screen useful for the real-time transcript, but more than two screens can be confusing and hard on the eyes. You should also consider whether headphones, microphones and webcams are needed for active participants to optimise sound and visuals. Testing and dry run it is crucial that the technology and internet connections are tested for all participants individually, in particular the active participants in advance of trial. This will highlight any issues that can be resolved, i.e. by additional hardware, by an internet boost or by an active speaker moving to an alternative location with a better connection. As well as testing the connections of active participants individually, a dry run of the technology should be conducted before trial, which includes the solicitors, counsel and the judge. 
This will ensure that everyone can connect, that the active speakers can be seen and heard, that the documents can be seen clearly, and also that the judge is happy with the setup. Secondly, I'm going to talk about witnesses, factual and expert. Witness procedure. The parties should agree prior to the PTR on the procedure for witness evidence to be given remotely. For example, where will witnesses give evidence from? Are they allowed an assistant and who can this be? Are the parties allowed to send an observer to sit in on the opponent's witnesses when giving their evidence? Are witnesses permitted to have a clean hard copy of their evidence with them? Permission will need to be obtained from the court at the PTR to cross-examine witnesses via video link and on the agreed procedure. Assisting and familiarising witnesses. Normally in advance of trial you would be meeting with your witnesses, showing them the courtroom and explaining how the proceedings will run. In remote trials where you have witnesses overseas, witnesses are likely to feel quite distant and a little lost especially if they have never given evidence before. It is therefore important that you speak to your witnesses and explain how it will work, including all the do's and don'ts, i.e. who can be in the room with them, what are they allowed to have with them, how to address the judge, having a neutral background when on screen etc. There are external providers who offer remote witness familiarisation sessions which now also include assisting witnesses to give evidence remotely. In these sessions they focus on, for example, the importance of looking into the camera when giving evidence. Ask your witnesses if they will be giving an oath or an affirmation and if the former ensure that they have the relevant holy book to hand during trial. The next area is access. Firstly, access for participants to trial. You will need to consider the level of access to be given to those participating in the trial on each day of the trial as this may have an impact on costs. The judge and possibly an assistant to the judge and counsel are likely to need full access on each day with active speaker status. Where the solicitor teams are large, you may wish to provide full access to part of the team with passive participant status. They will follow the trial but not be seen or heard. And with other members having more limited access, i.e. to the real-time transcript and documents only, in the same manner as you would consider who attends each day in court. For witnesses, you will need to arrange access on an active basis for them on days they are giving evidence only and make them passive participants for any other days you think they need to follow the trial. You should check with the client if they wish to follow all of the trial or parts and if they wish to watch the proceedings or just follow the real-time transcript or if they are content with simply receiving the transcript at the end of each day. Now, access for public. If the proceedings are to be conducted in public, arrangements will need to be made to give access to the trial to interested members of the public. If the court is hosting the trial, it will control access to the public. However, if the parties or an external provider are controlling the hosting of the trial, arrangements will need to be made with the court regarding access to the public. An option would be to make any interested members of the public passive participants to the proceedings, but note that you may wish to limit what they can see in terms of documents. Another option would be to livestream the proceedings, but the court and counsel are usually not very keen on this option. However, a private, password-protected livestream to interested members of the public may be an option. Again, approval should be sought from the court on the method of access. Extreme care must be taken when giving access to the trial to others, adhering to the court's orders and ensuring that access is given only to approved participants. Last month, a leading firm of solicitors self-reported themselves to the SRA after a live feed of a high-profile libel trial was broadcasted around the world, despite the judge ordering that it must not be live-streamed. This was considered a serious breach and the firm was accused of falling well below the standards to be expected of senior and experienced legal professionals. And finally, the PTR. Approvals. The PTR plays an important role in a remote trial. As well as the usual matters, it is a useful time to put forward the agreed procedures for the remote trial and seek any necessary approvals from the court. The parties should discuss and try and agree as much as possible in advance of the PTR and put forward a draft order for the court to consider and approve. It would be sensible for parties to request that the allocated trial judge is also the judge for the PTR, so the parties can agree with the judge at the PTR how the remote trial should be conducted. Timetable 
The parties should also try and agree a timetable for trial in advance of the PTR as they normally would. However, when preparing a timetable for a remote trial, where there are witnesses overseas, you will need to consider any time differences in the locations of the witnesses. Any significant time differences may require amendment to the court day, which would also need to be agreed with the court. Protocol for proceedings. The PTR is also a good time to agree on a protocol for the proceedings, such as etiquette, dress code, mutual backgrounds, how oaths and affirmations will be dealt with, etc. There should also be a protocol on how technical issues will be resolved during trial if they occur. That is everything I have on how to successfully prepare for a remote trial. Thank you for listening. In part two, I will go on to discuss the remote trial itself and provide you with my concluding thoughts on remote trials. <music>